0: You are listening to the pro Ecclesia podcast from the Truett Church Network. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to Todd Talks, where my guest today is the Reverend Dr. Chris Wright. Chris is the Global Ambassador for Langham Partnerships and is with us during our Parchman lectures. Thank you for joining today. Chris, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Todd. It's good to be here. Thank you. It's a joy to have you. So, Chris, <clears throat> yeah. uh, what is uh, Langham Partnerships? And how did you come to lead this organisation?
1: Thank you, Todd. Well, uh, first of all, the word Langham uh, doesn't mean anything. It's actually a street name in London. <laughs> um, it's a street on which there's a church called All Souls Church, Langham Place in London. And for about 50 years, the rector of that church was John Stutt who I expect some people might have heard of um, and John Stott um, travelled the world, especially in the 1960s and 70s and, and before he was very much involved in the majority world, as you like yes. to call it now, that is, Africa, Asia, Latin America, i.e. the world outside the West. Yes. And as he uh, travelled in those parts of the world, he, re- he saw, observed something which was that in many parts of the world the church is growing, yes. even back then in the 1960s and 70s, was growing evangelistically quite rapidly. Uh, a lot of church growth, especially Latin America, um, many places, Africa, especially. But what he saw was that often this was growth without depth. It it was numerical growth, evangelistic growth, but without um, the kind of depth of resources, um, of discipling, of training, of pastoral um, uh, skills and abilities that we would hope to take for granted in 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 the West. And so he basically started to do something about it, and he established over a number of years several different ministries. For example, um, in 1969-70, he started the Langham Trust to bring scholars, that is, men and women who were, he observed, academically able and evangelically committed uh, and, you know, spiritually alive, but who were unable to afford to get a doctorate, a PhD in theology, which was a prerequisite for being able to teach in seminary. So he started the scholarship fund, and uh, that's one of our programs now, is is Langham Scholars, to enable people to teach theology in seminaries uh, as evangelicals. And then he saw that many of these um, pastors in churches had no books. They might have a Bible and a hymn book, but nothing really to help them teach the Bible. So he used to say, John Stott used to say, um, pastors can't preach if they don't study, and they can't study if they've got no books. And Mm. so he... He established another program. Originally, it was called the Evangelical Literature Trust. Now it's just called Langham Literature, which was initially to get books into the hands of pastors, initially his own books, um, and then uh, other Western books. But now Langham Literature is trying to encourage writers, authors, editors, publishing houses throughout the majority world uh, to give them voice. Terrific. And then the the final program was that he uh, realized that what he wanted to do was to encourage the preaching Because, again, he he, he was a great, John Stott was a great one for these kind of steady, clear, um, brief statements. And he would say, uh, the Langham logic, that's what he would call it, the Langham logic is that we have three biblical convictions. One, God wants his church to grow up, not just to grow bigger, but to grow Mm. up to maturity. Mm. Two, we know that the church grows up through God's Word. Mm. Uh, It's the Word of God which feeds the people of God to maturity. Mm. And thirdly, that the Word of God comes to the people of God mainly through preaching. Yes. Other means, but mainly through preaching. And so he said the logical question to ask is what can we do to raise the standards of biblical preaching? Yes. And so the third program was Langham Preaching, which is seeking to encourage movements to help people to know how to handle the Bible and how to take it simply and preach it in a way which is clear, which is faithful to the text, and which is relevant to people. So those are the three programs, scholars, literature, and preaching, all now bind together within Langham Partnership.
0: And so how did you come to be ah. uh, the glo- the global ambassador?
1: <laughs> yes, yes, that's right. That's that's the name they've given me now, global ambassador, it's kind of a bit grand, I don't know. It, it could have been galactic ambassador <laughs> or something, couldn't it? You know? um, um, in, initially what happened was, I, I had known John Stott personally since about 1978. Um, And while my wife and I were still in India, when I was teaching Old Testament in India, um, we'd known John and he he wrote to us even before we came back to ask if I would join the trustees of what was then the Evangelical Literature Trust, that is to help to give some um, input and advice for the literature program, which I did. And so for a number of years, I was one of the trustees of one of his ministries. And then around about the year 2000, I think it was, um, I'd been the principal at All Nations Christian College, which is a, a missionary training college in the UK. Um, John started had come a few times. He, he, he asked if I'd be willing to consider taking on the leadership of the literature work and the scholar work and the preachings and help to pull it all together. Because in many ways, these were not, there was no organization at that time, these were just trusts, um, you know, foundations in a sense, which uh, he had founded, uh, and which were being administered by a few people, but there was no, there was no real cohesion to it. Um, and people were, were giving from the States and from Canada and Australia and Britain and so on. So he asked if I would take on the leadership, which I did in 2001. Uh, and for a number of years, I was the international director. Um, and so we then actually created uh, an organisation which you can now actually find on the website. Um, just Langham, if you just say L-A-N-G-H-A-N, langham.org, um, and you will find what, what it is and does. So basically, he, John Stott invited me to take on the leadership in 2001. I did that for nearly 20 years. Uh, and then last year, um, they appointed a, a new international director. Uh, A very good brother called Tayo Arakawe, who's from Mm. Nigeria, Mm. uh, with quite a wide experience of Christian ministry and uh, uh, lives in London, uh, so with a wife and a son. So Tayo is now the international director, but they didn't want to kick me out. (laughs) Um, So I'm still part of the sort of leadership team of the organization, with that sort of, I don't know, guardian of the vision or something like that. And so they gave me the name of Global Ambassador, so I still get to speak and to write and to do this kind of thing, yes, um, and to sort of advocate on behalf of the organization globally.
0: But you don't have to engage in all the press of the day in and the day out.
1: That's right. I don't have to run the organization anymore. Each of those three programs, just so there's no misunderstanding, the three programs work together. Uh, There's a a global budget. It's all kind of very integrated and coordinated. But each of those programs, the Scholar, Literature and Preaching, they have their own program director. Um, uh, who then also has a a staff team, and they are scattered throughout the world. I mean, the head of the Langham Scholar Programme, for example, is Dr. Riyad Kassis, who lives in Lebanon, himself a Langham Scholar, and he has pastoral care coordinators in Africa and Asia Latin America. Um, The head of Langham Preaching lives in New Zealand, and he has Continental Directors in Africa and Latin America and Asia. Um, And literature, well, that's run from the UK, from Carlisle, Uh, But there are commissioning editors in Asia and Africa and Latin America. So as an organization, it's very dispersed, which is part of the problem is how to hold it all together. Yes. Um, But it's very much not the kind of organization which says, well, here we are in the center and Mm. we will do this and that and everything else all over the world. It's rather very much a global fellowship and family and network of people who are committed to the same vision um, and objectives of John Stott.
0: So it's not only global in reach, it's global in its
1: composition. Very much so, yeah, in its structure. It's very international. Um, We'll be having, you know, I mean, for example, Langham Preaching is operating now in about 90 different countries. My goodness. Um, And there are, you know, half a dozen continental directors, a director for Africa and so on. Uh, So in many ways, what John Stott wanted to do, you see, was it's kind of, it's an interesting irony, I think he established Langham because he felt well out there there is the global church which is growing and where there's life and there's vigour yes. but often a great deal of lack of resources or in many cases of poverty and persecution yes and here we are in the west you know with all this there's these, wealth and everything else although sometimes i think more like the church of Laodicea you know we <laughs> think they're very rich but actually mm-hmm. we're poor and blind Ooh. and naked, naked. Yeah. in the sight of the lord but nevertheless mm-hmm. Um, John felt, what can we do to come alongside the churches yes. in the majority world yes. to, to, to assist them in their vision and their desire to go to maturity? But I think in God's wisdom, what has happened is in some sense has been the reverse of that, that as the church in the majority world, which is now the majority church, I mean, we do need yes. to realize that, uh, you know, the Western church, by which you mean mainly North America, Europe, um, Britain, maybe include Australia, New Zealand, yes. so on. But the, the Western church is basically marginal now to world Christianity. Yes. We are the minority. I mean, right. the real life of the church is elsewhere. And it is from there that we need to be receiving the theology, the voice, hearing the voice of, of those churches and what they have to say to us. Um, and Langham, in many ways, is, is enabling that two-way process to happen. Uh, that as we walk alongside them, Uh, with facilitation and with resourcing and so on, uh, we are able to enable them to speak to us. Yes. So for example, um, uh, you know, if you go to the website, you can see there's a thing which which I do, which a bit like what I'm doing with you now, which is a podcast, which rejoices in the title of On Mission with Chris Wright, which is (laughs) a kind of ridiculous, because it's not me that's on mission at all, it's me talking to other people. Um, Your
0: marketing people thought it was good, Well, yeah,
1: they must have done. (laughs) But but these are church leaders, you know, in Africa, Asia, Middle East. You know, I've spoken with some wonderful men and women Mm. who are in significant church leadership and then hear their story. What are they doing? What are they writing? What's the issues in their country? So it's a very interesting conversation to hear the voices of those. And there's also a a thing called Global Voices, which you can actually subscribe to and every day you get in your inbox. Uh, a little chunk of um, a few paragraphs of something from the Africa Bible Commentary or the South Asia Bible Commentary, uh, or these one volume commentaries that we've been able to help to produce entirely written by people within those regions. Um, So we need to hear the voice of the majority world. And and it's one of the things that Langham is helping to, to do.
0: Well, I'm signing up for that. And I can only imagine how pleased, how grateful, gratified that Dr. Stott,
1: would have been. Absolutely. Oh, I, I, uh, I mean, I, I knew him for a long time, and he died when he was 90 uh, in 2011. Um, but right through to he was in his 80s, he was traveling, we, we went to Latin America together, we went to China and, and so on together, and we toured Australia and Canada together. So we worked together for a number of years, but then he declined. In his last five or six years, he was very much in decline. But he rejoiced in what mm. he saw happening. I yes. mean, you know, that God had taken these seeds of vision that he had had, you know, bring a scholar to study in Britain so they can go back and teach in Pakistan or somewhere, uh, to, to use his own royalties for his own books, yes, n- not to take a penny for himself, but to put it into a trust fund to get books into the hands of pastors. And now a whole program of Langham Publishing and Langham Literature, you know, the, the way God has grown something from you know a mustard seed
0: yes. uh, into
1: something. doesn't it? I think John would be absolutely delighted and thrilled. Um, mm. I'm sure he will be when we meet him mm. in the new creation.
0: Allow me to simply interject for those of you who are looking for remarkable resources for the study of Scripture. Uh, allow me to commend to you not only Dr. Wright's commentaries on various Old Testament uh, books, uh, but also uh, Dr. Stott's works themselves uh, in The Bible Speaks Today. Uh, clear, cogent, concise, insightful, bridging between the world of the Testament and the world of today. So, uh, as you build up your own libraries, let me commend these resources to you. So, Chris, you were um, the uh, director of That Which Is Langham for a couple of decades. As mm-hmm. you look back. Yeah. What are a few things that kind of pop, maybe stand out as you think, uh, looking back over the course of that ministry, uh, what do you take special gratitude in?
1: Thank you. That's a very good question and, and, and you know, there's almost too many to mention, sure. but um, if I think of each of the programs. Um, When John Stott started the scholar program, inevitably it meant that people from Africa Latin America, Asia would have to come to the West to do their doctorates, okay? So they would come to a British university and study under an evangelical supervisor in Oxford, Cambridge, or St. Andrews, or they would come to, say, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School or Fuller or somewhere like that. Um, And that went on for quite a number of years. And then because these men and women were going back and teaching in some of these seminaries, Seminaries, evangelical seminaries in the majority world were growing in maturity, in depth of faculty uh, to the point where in uh, I think it was 2004 we began to think we really ought to be investing in having high quality doctoral level programs in these seminaries in the the majority world so that uh, people don't have to come to the West to do their doctorate, which of course is hugely culturally disrupting and expensive. And in some cases, although not very many, meant that people never returned, right. um, though Langham is a very good record in that. It's something like about 90% of everybody we've ever given a scholarship to have gone back. So it's, it's, it's very high. Now that then began, and um, we, we began to invest in this way. In 2010, there was a conference in Beirut for about 13 of these different seminaries uh, around the world to decide between themselves, what do we want to build in as acceptable high quality criteria for a doctoral level program in our seminary. and Because the conference happened in Beirut, in Lebanon, they became known as the Beirut Benchmarks. Mm. Uh, And now, um, in our scholarship program this year, we have about 90 people doing their PhDs as Langham scholars, uh, and more than 50% of them are studying not in the West, not in Britain or America, but in South Africa, in Nigeria, in Singapore, uh, in the Philippines and yes. so on. So that that to me is exciting. And I think that what that shows is that John Stott's original vision has not just in a sense been fulfilled, but has also borne second generation fruit. Yes, You know, that these are now scholars who are teaching new scholars. And so it's moving on. So that would be one thing. I think in the literature program, again, you see something similar that John's idea was, let's get books into the hands of pastors. And initially, that was predominantly Western books because they were evangelical publishers, IVP, Zondervan, Baker, and so on. And John would do deals with these Western publishers to sell him uh, some of their books at paper and ink cost so he could buy several thousand and then distribute them in in the majority world. Increasingly, what Langham Literature is now doing is identifying um, writers, editors... Uh, publishing houses in majority world countries, which often is very difficult to be viable um, yes. in a country where you've got a very small Christian community, uh, and, and then to enable them to get their work published for their own context. So uh, about 10 years ago, Langham Literature actually started an imprint called, you know, Langham Publishing. Um, and over these nine years, we've published more than 370 books, almost entirely by majority world authors. Africans and Asians and so on. So again, through the website, if you go to Langham Literature or literature at Langham, you can see a whole catalogue of books um, by African authors, by Asian authors in English, some are in French and Spanish and so on, but majority in English. But they all come from that context and they're speaking from that context. And again, I think John would have been hugely pleased with that, that it's no longer just from the West to the rest, (laughs) but really from the rest to the rest. In other words, these are, you know, African books being read in Asia and vice versa, and then being available at things like SBL, for example, where if you do go to SBL, uh, you will find a whole booth and look for the Langham Partnership stall booth, and you'll find these these, these books. And with Langham Preaching, um, as I say, in 2001, John Stott and I did two seminars, one in Peru and one in Argentina, uh, for preaching. And we then sort of looked at each other and said, what do we do now? This isn't going to transform the culture of preaching in any of these countries. There needs to be movement. There needs to be a dynamic. There needs to be continuity. And so uh, with the help initially of Jonathan Lamb, who became the leader, and now under Paul Windsor, who's the program director, uh, Langham Preaching has a whole process of training people through three years to be Bible preachers and then training those who will train others and then developing national facilitators and coordinators so that the program itself becomes self-sustaining. And so now there are preaching movements in in about 90 countries um, and some of them have become basically self-sufficient in terms of being able to raise their own funds and everything else. So these are things which give me great joy when I read about them, when I get the weekly prayer shot uh, and you read, yeah, we've got a level three preaching seminar happening in this country or that country, and they, yeah, know him, know them, been there, done that, and you feel this is, you know, this is God, this is just God. You, you almost get the feeling of God saying, yeah, I want that to happen, you know, mm. get going, do that, do this, and and things multiply and grow, and it's exciting.
0: So as you think about what Langham has uh, put its energy and efforts towards in the present time on the other side of COVID. Yes. Um, what, what are some of the things that are at the fore, Chris? What are the, some of the present initiatives, uh, strategic partnerships and uh, work that Langham is presently about?
1: Hmm. Well, first of all, uh, what we've tried to do as Langham is to keep our eye on the ball. Um, yes. Uh, which is to say we've got a very sharp vision, which is how do we raise the standards of biblical preaching?
0: Yes.
1: Uh, we are about the Word of God, strengthening the ministry of the Word, whether that's taught in a seminary classroom, or taught through the pages of a book, uh, or some digital means, or preached in a pulpit. What is going to help the Word of God? So. Yes. We, we, we tried not to diversify in all sorts of directions because you get asked to do pastor training. We're not right. about pastor training, we're about preaching training. You know, yes. we, we have a very specific focus. Yes. Um, having said that, there are a number of areas where uh, as a leadership team and international council, because there are, at the moment, there are six kind of supporting countries which are helping to provide the global budget. And that would be substantially the US, the UK, Uh, Canada, Australia, Hong Kong, and New Zealand. Mm. But there are now Langhams all over the world Mm. in in the sense of, for example, in Indonesia and and elsewhere, they have established registered charities which are doing preaching work or something. So in, in many countries, Langham exists. So how do we build that sense of being an international network and have what is now the sort of the jargon word these days is polycentric mission and polycentric leadership. Um, That we're really striving to find both a culture and a structure and a means of working um, which is held together around the vision with leaders who know that vision and, and are very careful to preserve it, but at the same time with a dispersed and diversified polycentric leadership where people have the authority and the autonomy to get on and do stuff uh, without having all to be controlled from one central place. And that's not an easy... That's that's a quite a So it's dispersed, distributed, but yeah, it yeah. does
0: make uh, yeah. the... Um, uh, bringing it all together is somewhat challenging. It is
1: exactly, and uh, uh, but I think that's the way mm. it, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's the nature of the church, isn't yeah, it? I mean, it's, it's just it's, messy. It is. It's messy, but it's it's fun, and it's you know, and it seems to be fruitful. You know, yeah. it's it's you scatter. I think the other thing that we're very aware of these days um, is the significance of global migrations yes. and global diasporas. Yes. Yes. Um, there's a, a wonderful book by Vince Bantu yes. called A Multitude of All Nations. Have yes. you read that? Yes. I love it. I love the opening line. He says, we should not say that Christianity is becoming a global religion. It has always been a global religion. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He says, we in the West, we sort of imagine because our history is, well, the gospel came from, you know, Paul and then it got to Martin Luther and then it came to <laughs> us, you know. Um, and so we are the church and then we took it back to the rest of the world, right?" Um, which is Complete mythology, isn't it? You know yes. that in fact the gospel had reached China before it had yes. ever yes. you know, got here, and, yes. and also down into Africa long before it went west and so on. So that reality has always been there. But of course, we know that in the, for the last hundred years or more, there have been these major migrations that have happened. Um, some of them for purely economic reasons. So you've got huge Chinese diasporas in many many countries around the world. You've got the South Asian diaspora, you know, you know, hundreds of Indians, Pakistanis all over the world. You've got massive Hispanic diaspora yes. coming from Latin America yes. to North America and to Europe. Now, of course, also to Spain and Portugal. And then, of course, you've got those migrations happening because of violence and war yeah. and suffering yeah. Yeah. Uh, with Syrian refugees, with everything that's happening in the Middle East um, and so on. So as Langham, we are also having to ask the question, you know, we can't anymore think of the world in purely geographical terms. You know, there's this block and there's that block and we're the West and they're the majority world. The reality is that it's all mixed everywhere. Uh, And so how do we respond to communities in our own countries uh, which are ethnically distinct but are still part of a, a culture which is Western? And where do we fit Langham's work into that? So that's that's something we're wrestling with right at this moment. We're actually trying to think it through. Uh, we're trying to think it through both biblically, you know, because there's a lot of migration in the Bible. Yes, people are going from everywhere to everywhere. Um, I love Apollos. He goes from Africa to Asia yeah. to Europe, and, yes. and you know, one from Alexandria yes. to Ephesus yes. to Corinth. It's a cross-cultural missionary. So it's everywhere in the Bible. It's everywhere today. Um, how do we hold on to our vision and yet? You know, negotiate these global realities also in a global world which is so filled with violence, with persecution, with war, with poverty, and with increasing climate chaos, uh, which is affecting so many of our Christian sisters and brothers in poorer parts of the world that we hardly ever, you know, think about. But, you know, you look at what's happened in Pakistan, and we know that we've got a very strong Langham preaching movement in Pakistan. You've got the open theological seminary in Pakistan, which is reaching about 7,000 students all Mm. over the country. Mm. And yet so many of those Christians in Pakistan are the poorest of the poor, and therefore those who will be suffering the most from these floods that have submerged so much of the country. So how do we speak into that kind of situation? And how do we continue to hear from people like that that are suffering in those ways? Mm.
0: So Chris, in your changed role with Langham, uh, do you anticipate that this will allow more time for writing? You bring not only Old Testament expertise, but you bring uh, uh, much publication and thought um, uh, in, in mission. Uh, so what are, what are a couple of your present projects and uh, what are you hoping to move forward?
1: Thank you, yes. Well, one of the lovely things that I'm ever so grateful for to John Stott was that when he asked me to take this job on, he also said to the International Council, he said, I want Chris to have the same kind of year that he had had for about 20 years, which was that he would spend about three months of the year in international travel, about three months of the year devoted to writing, yes, and the rest of the time for ministry in and around the UK." and so writing... good rhythm. Good rhythm. (laughs) I wish I could have kept it like he did but he was a single man who could say I'll do this and I'll do that, you know. Um, But what what it means is that writing has been part of my job, part of my contract. I haven't had to sort of fit it in around everything else. So since I've been working for Langham I've been able to be more productive in those ways and that's been encouraging. Um, And now that in a sense I'm no longer having to run the organization Um, there is more time for that. Uh, One thing that I um, will be bringing out in February is is a book that's being published by Baker called The Great Story and The Great Commission and that emerged out of a short series of lectures rather like I'm doing here uh, at Truett. This was up in uh, Acadia in Canada Um, and the idea was to, to, if we take the Bible as one whole narrative from creation to new creation, and use that as a way of thinking about who we are and why we're here, what we're for. And then we connect that to the Great Commission and all the dimensions of our mission, which are integrated around the Lordship of Christ and the Gospel of the Kingdom. What does that do to our theology of mission? So the Great Story in the Great Commission, that will be coming out. Um, in, in February next year. The, the, the next main job that I have to do is that my book, The Mission of God, yes. um, which was published I think in, was it 2006 I think? Um, quite a while ago anyway. A lot has been written on that topic since then, and so InterVarsity Press are asking me if I will do a sort of update and revision and second edition of that book. Uh, and I'm trying to read everything that's been written since I wrote that book, uh, respond to some you know, valid critiques that are there, uh, fill in some gaps that the book had, um, and, and just take the, the argument a bit further forward. So a second edition of The Mission of God um, will, I hope, eventually emerge, um, but it'll be a, probably a year or two yet before I get that finished.
0: Well, friends, you have much to look forward to coming from Chris uh, Wright. Uh, Chris, you honor us by your presence among us. And I wonder if you would uh, do us the privilege of just praying for us as we conclude our conversation. Yes,
1: let's do that. Let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father and Almighty God, we thank you that this is your world, that we are part of your good creation, uh, which we have so much messed up with our fallenness and our sin. But we thank you also that you are the God of mission, the God who chose to bring blessing and redemption and salvation in the place of curse and suffering and brokenness and we thank that even in this broken world that you are still sovereign and that you are working out the kingdom of God through the mustard seeds of those who are serving you in so many parts of the world we thank you lord that your church is global we thank you that you bring to us the voices of people who are struggling and suffering but being faithful to the faith and to the testimony of our lord jesus christ and the word of god we thank you for the truth of your word and that your word indeed is not only a comfort to us, but also a challenge and a rebuke and an encouragement. And we pray that this day, today, that you would bless your church, Mm. that you would be with those who are suffering, uh, that you would sustain them, protect them, save their lives where needed. And even when they lose their lives, we pray that they may be among those who, Revelation says, are those who have conquered and overcome through their faith. So be with us. We thank you for this seminary, for Truett Seminary, Pray that you'll continue to bless it and uh, Dr. Todd Still and all who teach here that it may be a place where the truth of your word is honored and believed and taught and where the Lord Jesus Christ is glorified. And we ask these things in his name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us and uh, we look forward to future conversations.